Hello, welcome. You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a bite-sized parenting podcast. This episode is Helpline with Mothercraft nurse extraordinaire, Chris Minogue. If she can't help you, nobody can. I'm Siobhan Hunt. Hello and welcome to Feed, Play, Love and this episode of Helpline with Mothercraft nurse Chris Minogue. Chris comes in every week to answer your questions about settling babies, tantruming toddlers, uh, anything in between. I have yet to hear a question she can't answer, although to be fair, if it's completely medical, we will refer you on. But just for those tweaks that can really make life a lot easier, Chris is here for you. So make sure you take this opportunity to ask her a question. So if you're watching us live on Facebook, you can pop your question below this video and we will do our best to get to it. And if you're listening to us via podcast, you can send your question to helpline at theparentbrand.com.au and we'll get to your question next week. I should also add you have the opportunity to call and speak directly to Chris on 1800 543 772. So that number is 1800 543 772 if you're watching us live on Facebook. Let's start with an email from Rachel. It's uh, She has a 19-month-old and she's written before um, because they were doing two-day sleeps. Yep. So we've now dropped to one sleep at about yep. 12 p.m., but he still wakes after an hour and then we push through till 6.30 p.m. bedtime, but he's pretty cranky with such a short sleep. Do you have any tips to lengthen the day sleep to two hours? He wakes in the morning around 7. Um, I would put him to bed at 12.30. So usually if they wake between 6 and 7, um, for 19 months I'd put him down at 12.30. That might help. That little extra half an hour of running around before he has lunch, before he goes to sleep might help. And then it's a little bit of just teaching him that if you only have a sleep for an hour, you might need some more sleep because that is a very long period between that one o'clock at the at the moment and going to bed at seven o'clock and I think what happens in the long term is they get overtired by doing that so let's try just pushing it out a little bit more till the um 12 30 if you go to one o'clock and it pushes past two o'clock then it's really going to affect him going down at seven o'clock so hopefully the 12 30 to two o'clock window um, which is reasonable for his age uh, will be good and then he'll go down at seven o'clock um, maybe seven thirty. although he gets up at seven doesn't he mm-hmm. yeah so I think um, an hour and a half if he had two hours and got up at 2 30 you'd have to put him down at seven thirty. so fingers crossed moving it to twelve thirty will do the trick see how you go um, this question comes from Kira who has a two-year-old I attended Sydney Baby Shower and I'm kicking myself as I didn't get a chance to speak to Chris Minogue Mm -hmm. about my almost two-year-old son. She was too busy enjoying the yummy hind tea. (laughs) Fair enough. Good idea. Um, He's our third child, currently pregnant with number four, and he will not sleep in his own bed. He goes to sleep between us and wakes if we try to transfer. I'm at my wit's end and don't know how we will cope when the new baby comes in October. We've tried lots of techniques, new bedding, routines, etc. My husband and I work full time and my husband leaves around... 5am for work, we feel like we sleep in separate beds. People you have do. asked how I <laughs> fell pregnant again with a toddler in our bed. We have two older sons that we never had a problem with. I know it's not safe to co-sleep either, so that's stressful as my husband has epilepsy and would oh, hate for our son to get to hurt sleep. if he had a seizure. Mm. Um, yeah, so what would you say to Kira? 
Kira, by the sounds of this, he's in a bed. I'd put him in a cot. He's only two. So it says he... Uh, he won't sleep in his own bed, yeah. Yeah, so I think you've probably just taken him out of his cot too early. And I would put him in a bed. Um, but the actual problem is we have to go through the steps of teaching him to stay in his bed. It is that horrendous, you know, walking him back, walking him back. So if he's just two, a two-year-old, I would really consider putting him back in a cot because you have more control over what you can do. You can pop him in the cot. He can self-settle safely in the cot. You could... Um, you know, go in, lay him down, give him a few pats, walk back out again. Um, Lots of people say they climb out of the cot. Well, climbing out of the cot and getting out of the bed are the same thing. So we still have to give him the same signal. But usually, commonly, I don't take him out of a cot until they're about two and a half. So this could be because he was taken out of the cot a bit early. But I know that babies and two-year-olds are a, you know, little minefield of their own. So if you're then got him in the bed and you don't want to go back to the cot, I would put um, a gate on the door of the room that you want him to sleep in just so he's in a safe environment and it's much more consistent. So you can do something along the lines of um, putting him into his bed, reading him a story, giving him a cuddle, put him into his bed, leaving, giving him a short window of time like, five minutes. If he's standing at the gate, just ask him to get back in his bed. If he gets back in his bed, you go over, you give him a kiss and a cuddle and then you leave again. Now this is going to take time and patience, but this is more important also for your husband because as you know, they have to get sleep. And so I think this is worth having three nights of disruptive behavior to get the whole family back on track. So for your husband that he can sleep, better so helping him with his epilepsy and for you to get some sleep before sweet baby four comes along so we hope we'll sleep through the night yeah i think this is one of those things you just have to you know take a deep breath and do it and put him in his room Okay. Well, good luck with that, Kira. And I will just mention that if you're watching this or listening to us from Brisbane, the Babyology Baby Shower is coming to Brisbane for the first time. (laughs) Yay. It's on August the 25th. So if you're interested in meeting Chris Minogue in person, (laughs) not just on your screen or in your earbuds, I'm not as important as you, Chris, um, then you can come along, just head to the Babyology website and then click on occasions and you'll see all the details for that. So Chris will be there answering questions questions. But now let's answer the questions we have today. Uh, Trina, who's watching live on Facebook, my 15-month-old keeps hitting his head. He's teething. So I'm thinking he's telling me he's in pain. What's your thoughts on that? Uh, That's a bit of a bafflement. So the teething and hitting head, is he physically hitting his head or is he hitting the floor with his head? Yeah. Um, Could and you when give us does a bit he more do detail it? on that? Yeah, trainer, if you're because usually the teething has nothing to do with hitting heads, so I don't think those two while are related. We wait, while we wait for Trina to give us a bit more detail yeah. on how he's hitting his head, if it was because um, I know we've had questions about babies hitting, hitting their head on a surface. Yeah, yeah, like on would the that, cot edge or something like that. What would that mean with a 15-month-old? If we didn't They're just frustrated and tired. So maybe, you know, something along the lines like um, they're almost having a little tantrum. Not a full-on tantrum, but the most common one at 15 months is they've been playing with something. You want to take something off, off them. So they're playing with your phone and you want to take the phone off them and you don't replace it with something else. So they have a bit of a tantrum and they head bang. 
So that head banging is a result of the behavior. So that's a, that's a tantrum, um, so to speak. So I'm trying to work out how we could relate that to the teething part. But so it may not be related, right? No, it may not be related and most commonly probably isn't related. How would you tell? So if he is teething, yeah. how would you tell he's, he's causing he's in, him pain? So usually they would just whinge, constantly whinging. And the most common thing is they, especially with 15-month-old, because their big eye teeth would be coming down. So they tend to put their fingers in their mouth and chew on their fingers to try and numb their gums. So a 15-month-old might go off his food, he's miserable, um, they often have a runny nose and runny eyes. They almost look like they're sick. And it's these big 15-month-old teeth coming through. So the relationship between the hitting and the teething, I haven't heard of before. I think they're probably two different things that might be going on for him. Okay, Trina, I hope that helps. Yeah. Um, I suppose uh, the next question that she's asking there, though, is if he's telling her he's in pain. With then the she pain. should give him something for the pain. Okay. So if he's you know, his big eye teeth are coming through and he is in pain, then you should give him some Panadol and, you know, relieve the pain or some Bongella or something that relieves teething pain. So if you're fairly sure that the behaviour that you're seeing from a child is about their teething, you need to relieve it. It's like it's like having your wisdom teeth come down and then saying, oh, but I don't need anything for them. But as you know, yeah. just that little bit of Panadol relieves the pain and the inflammation. And it can be ibuprofen. I can never say I'm that buffering. properly. Sorry. Ibuprofen. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Ibuprofen uh, yeah, as well. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, because that reduces the uh, inflammation around yeah. the gums. So and you'll find that the pharmacist will be able to tell absolutely. you. Absolutely. And you've absolutely got to stick with the right measurements for. Oh, God, yeah. So we're not yeah, medical yeah. professionals. Well, let's no. <laughs> say that. But I've done so many interviews about parents not knowing the weight of their baby and therefore not well, getting the right age. measurement. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Agree to disagree because anyway, you should just make sure you're doing it the right way. Okay. Um, <laughs> just follow the instructions. Um, so I have no more information about Trina, but we okay. have a call now from right. Fiona. Fiona, hello. hello. How are you? Good. How are you going? Good. Tell us what's happening. So everything's going well, Chris. I'm just got a quick question. Childcare, my little one's at childcare sure. one day a week. Um, and I've requested that they pop him in a cot to sleep, um, yeah. which is good. But now they've kind of said to me, mm, we might need to transition, start transitioning slowly to mat because the next room that he actually goes into will be mat sleeping. Yep. Yeah, that's and common. I'm, yes, I'm just wondering, and he's, he's taken a little bit of time to get used to childcare, let's, let's yeah. be honest here. Yep, so I'm trying to do this as slowly as I can so it doesn't kind of interrupt his general behavior general behavior yeah yeah. any suggestions on should i try something at home or just no okay it's just something that happens at daycare Okay, so, so it's it, you're going to keep. Something. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. They they will. I think. What age are they planning on moving him up into that? So at that the moment room? he's nine. What is he? Nineteen. Almost. Months. Yeah, nineteen months. So they, they said probably in the next five months ish. Oh, that's ages away. I wouldn't worry yeah. about it at all. Okay. 
So he'll be closer probably to two or over two before he moves into it. Yeah, wouldn't worry about it at all. So that's a very common thing that happens in daycare when they transition to the next room. They'll put him on a mat Mm because they're having enough beds for everybody. And um, I think the the main thing to consider is for you, he's just going to stay in his cot. That's something he'll do at daycare. And to make it clear that you don't want them to start habits like patting him to sleep to get him to stay on the mat. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when you think about that, that five months of development for him, he's going to understand their rules a little bit more. He's going to be able to communicate a little bit more and he will follow the crowd. So he'll see his best friend laying down. He'll lay down too. But it's not an indicator that he's ready for a bed in general. No, no, I was. Yeah. I know you always say two and a half. So I was kind of like, but is there anything I should do to just He'll literally just follow everybody along and he'll learn and and he'll see him on the floor and he'll lay down almost like as if it was a novelty, a game. And then, then he'll... That the the room will go dark and he'll just drift off to sleep. But try and ask the carers not to, you know, not start something that you you're not doing, which is patting him off to sleep okay, to make cool. him so stay there. Of, and should they start doing it, like sort of? Not for a while, be, about okay. a week before he's moving into the room. Oh, okay. They were trying to start me like now. No, like, no. Let's not do that right no, now. No, they, they no. They might ask him if they're running out of, they might be running out of cots in the room, but right. no, he's far too young for a mat now. Funny. He'll just yeah. get up and walk around. Yeah, oh, of course he will. I know that much. <laughs> <Too awesome. laughs> you know, talk to everybody in the room. Yeah, that's yeah, okay. so, so just, no. Um, about so, a week or two. Yeah, oh, but no, most, one day a week, maybe. Most children yeah. only do it when they move into that room. Like okay. they just go from their cot room and they sort of, be, before they move into that transition, they go and play in the next room and they get used to the environment. And so then they just transfer as they go through. But okay. yeah, I wonder whether they're asking you more about how many cots they have. Yeah, good, for it good to be, call. I didn't actually think of that yet. To be that far ahead of when he's actually going to move into the room. Yeah, well, because well, most of them all sleep on mats in the room at the moment. He's the only one a cot. Cool. Yeah, I know. And I'm like, hmm. I don't know why hmm. they're doing that. But no. Yeah, ask him a few more questions. They might have a um, method in the in the, the madness. Yes, sort of. <laughs> just trying not to say madness, Fiona. <laughs> no, I know, I know. <laughs> I'll say it for you, Chris. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, good luck with that, Fiona. Thank you so much, ladies. Take care. See you later. Bye. 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 Uh, we have a question from mm-hmm. Facebook Live and Sarah. She asks, when would you start swapping the bottle first to breakfast first in the mor- mornings? My daughter is just turned, has just turned three, 13 months. Okay. So generally, um, when I move them to one sleep, um, which is around 14 months, so not far off, I then start with breakfast first and an hour later I offer the bottle because the milk as an as as an important role as what it is when they're under 12 months old. So if you're having difficulty getting her to have breakfast, you could easily swap that around now. And when she gets up about 15, 20 minutes later, give her breakfast. And about an hour later after that, you could just then offer the bottle. So, yeah. Maybe I was always so confused about that stuff. Yeah. When I, um, so I hope that all goes well for you, Sarah. We have a question from Sonia. It's a little bit similar to the one we had about the hitting of the head. Oh, okay. So it's tantrums. My daughter is two, and every time she throws a tantrum, she headbutts the floor or yep. walls. I've tried everything to stop her doing it, but nothing works. Yeah. So it's just the level of degree of the tantrum that they're doing. Um, So now you know she does it. You want to try and interrupt it. So often this happens, like I said before, when they're tired. So you've got to be a bit careful when they're tired on what we're asking of them and slow transitions down. So for instance, she's playing with something 
and you want to take it off her because it's something you don't want her to play with, you've got to come with something that might entice her to give up what she's doing. So when she's tired and she's a bit fragile, that's when this is going to really explode and they headbang. Um, they're very cunning because often when they headbang, they go up to the wall and they know it's going to hurt. So they stop and they sort of headbang not quite as hard as they might have the first time. Um, the other thing I do for this sometimes, if they're really bad at it and they're really tired for whatever reason, I take them and I put them in a safe place. So I might get the porticot out and put it somewhere in another room, doesn't matter, but the whole porticot is safe. It's got a mesh surroundings. So if she was really headbanging, I might just pick her up and put her into the porticot so that it's a nice and soft environment. And then when she's calmed down and quietened down, then I get her up and then distract her into whatever she might have been doing. Um, so I think this is a reaction to overtime tiredness and just depends on how overtired she is but lots and lots of kids headbang. Is it something they grow out of? Yeah because they do it once and it hurts and then they stop doing (laughs) it and it's a really hard thing because that's sort of what happens one day they just you know do it or harder than they had been doing it and it hurts and they stop doing it but if we can recognize that's what they do and we make that transition a little bit slower and be aware when they're tired that they're likely to do it um, I tend to say put them in a safe place so you know if they're on the floorboards put them on the carpet Uh, if they're throwing themselves against the wall pick her up and put her in the porticot and that might just take the ease off what she's doing. I like the idea about the porticot. Yeah, it's all nice and soft. There's only the sort of sidebars. The general cot is soft. Yeah. Well, Sonia, I just hope she stops tantruming for you Mm. in the end. Chris Minogue and Helpline on Feed Play Love will be back answering your questions right after this. When you become a parent, you enter an exclusive club, one that only other parents can truly understand. I spent a lot of time running and yelling names. Come back, get back here. But I bought him one of those backpacks that had a lead, like, you know, a monkey one. Because it doesn't look as bad. Yeah, like a disguise. (laughs) The Parent Panel is a weekly podcast that invites adults to ponder the big questions of looking after small children with more than a bit of humour mixed in. Join us for The Parent Panel wherever you get your podcasts. Now, back to your questions with Helpline and Chris Minogue. This email comes from Jenny, self-settling. I've got a lovely three-and-a-half-month-old baby boy as well as two older boys, my very active three-and-a-half-year-old and and two-year-old. We've worked hard to help the baby learn to self-settle at nap time, and he's pretty reliable if I'm careful to watch him for tired signs and make sure he's only up for 60 to 75 minutes. I can put him down and he'll self-settle to sleep, which makes it much easier with my bigger boys, not leaving them unsupervised for too long. However, as we hit the stage where the baby's sleep patterns mature, he's only doing 45-minute naps, rarely resettling himself to do a longer uh, stretch. He's feeding well and sleeps in a darkened room with white nose, noise, he's got a white nose as well, (laughs) white noise, swaddled and away from the activity of the rest of the house. Any suggestions for how I can lengthen his naps without spending too long resettling him? No, it'll take a while to resettle him. So it's there's not a quick fix at this age. This is the age where they've got to learn to resettle and this is going to take time and patience. It will take you between 20 and 40 minutes to do. So you are doing all the right things. Don't be put off by what you're doing. 
It's just that you need to decide which sleeps that you want him to sleep longer on and you need to teach him to resettle. So it's not like they do 45 minutes and then magically at five months they might just extend sleep because they're older and more mature. The more he does 45 minutes, the more he will just keep doing 45 minutes. So let's say that we pick the morning sleep and the afternoon sleep because they are the sleeps that he'll carry long term. And you need to give yourself the time to resettle, some gentle resettling. Um, You hear him crying, leave him cry for a few minutes. When it gets a little bit more intensified, go in, rock, pat, calm, and calm him right down and right down till he's sleepy. And that's going to take a little bit of time. But if you put the effort in now, it will pay off for the rest of his days so to speak so all babies need to learn to resettle in this three to four and a half month window they become a lot more aware a lot more alert they look around they can smile when you come in the room so it is a little bit of work there's no quick fix in this one it's just about the time and the patience all right thanks for your question jenny this is from kate on the facebook live i have a 14 month old who has two good day sleeps he's usually ready to sleep from about two and a half from about two and a half hours from when he wakes up in the morning for usually one and a half hours to two hours and then has his afternoon nap about three and a half hours after his morning nap for 45 minutes to one hour. He goes to bed easily and has a good bedtime routine. He eats solids well. He's being breastfed first thing on wake up and then at bedtime. He doesn't always sleep through but will only wake once usually in the night unless sick or teething and he settles himself or I have to go in and either pat, give water or sometimes a cuddle. However, he is tending to wake up around 5 or 5.30, sometimes even 4 or 4.30. I usually get, get him or my husband does and I breastfeed him and then keep him in bed with me and we usually go back to sleep until after 7. A much preferred awake time. Fair enough. Though sometimes he doesn't go back to sleep. Sometimes he's wet through and I've tried neck size nappy and night nappies. I've also tried to cut down water. Any suggestions on how to stretch his morning wake up out? That's from Kate and the child is 14 months. Um, So what time does he go down for the morning sleep? Uh, About two and a half hours from when he wakes. Okay, Kate, I think there's two things going on. He can move now into one sleep, so that's definitely going to help. And it needs to move out, and I'll explain where to move it out too. But the second thing is overnight he gets mixed messages. So sometimes he gets a feed, sometimes he gets a cuddle, sometimes he gets a pat, and at the four or five o'clock he gets into bed. So we need to be aware that he's getting a few different mixed messages. So even by putting him onto one sleep, it may not fix your overnight. Left Definitely improve it unless you're going to be consistent in what you do. So you'll probably have to do this in two steps. So for 14 months, what you're going to do, because he's doing two and a half hours awake and doing a two and a half hours sleep, uh, he's waking up. This is going to be a little bit tricky because he wakes up early in the morning. So you're going to have to get him back to sleep till that six, seven o'clock in the morning. And then you want to push his day every day by half an hour to get him to go down to sleep at 11.30. So then he's on one sleep from, say, 11.30 till about two o'clock. And then he'll stay awake from two o'clock till seven o'clock. And then that will regulate his sleep. So you're trying to get um, from a wake up between six and seven in the morning to going down at 11.30, so he'll have his breakfast when he gets up or milk feed at breakfast when he gets up. Then he'll have lunch at about 11, 
pop him down at 11.30 and hopefully what he'll do is take that two and a half hours and, and push it out. So you, you've got to go slowly, a half hour window for a couple of days till you get to 11.30 and then he'll sleep to about two off what, what he's been doing. Then he'll have a snack and then he'll have dinner at five and his bath and he'll go down at seven. And what that might do is help him with those very first wake-ups that he's been doing prior to that four or five o'clock in the morning. It may help the four or five o'clock, but I suspect what's happening at four or five o'clock, there's just a few mixed messages going. So once you get the rhythm of one sleep, see what fixes itself. And then a few nights at four or five in the morning where you leave him to cry for a little bit, go in and pat him and just stick with the patting him back to sleep should fix this problem. All right. Good luck with that. We have time for one more question. This comes from Teagues on Facebook. Um, I have a 15-month-old that is waking three to five times a night and will only go back to sleep if he's given warm milk in his cot at least two to three times a night and will cry and scream if it's not 200 meals at least each time. He will go back to sleep from padding in his cot. However, he will wake a very short time after unless he's given milk. So about 10 to 15 minutes after that. I have to I have to change his nappy and clothes yeah. each night around 3 a.m. as he's wetting through and waking from being wet. We have tried various nappy techniques. The change wakes him and he usually will not go back to sleep for at least an hour. So I usually result to putting him in our bed and he rolls around restless unless he dozed off again or falls asleep with a bottle. A little bit of background. He has never been a good sleeper at night. I managed to get him to wake only at 4am for a period a few months ago. But in an effort to save for a house deposit, we moved in with my parents and my 15-year-old does not have his own bedroom. So his cot is in our room again. This is something we can't change until we get our house, which is months and months away. He has one day nap at 11.30 to 12 for two to two and a half hours if he is at home and about one to one and a half hours if he's at daycare, and that's that's two days a week. His bedtime is 7.30. He has dinner at 6, bath at 6.30, 6.45, lights dimmed and given a bottle where we read him a book book and then take him to fall asleep in his cot while we pat his bum. Uh He will, without a doubt, wake at 12.30 for a bottle and then either 2.30 or 3.30 and again around 4, 5.30. The earlier wakes, we just pass him a bottle in his cot and go back to bed and he falls asleep. (laughs) We both work full time and I, mum, work shift work, which sounds really hard. Um, He eats great during the day and only has one milk bottle at nap time now. We've tried control crying and other settling techniques, but he will vomit before settling. The patting method works for him. Great. Yeah. So what do they do? Unfortunately, you've got to stop the bottles. So you, you're going to say that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the bottles aren't making this any better. Like you, he's not been a good sleeper. So giving him a bottle hasn't fixed it. So it's not like you could give him a bottle at 10 o'clock when he wakes and he suddenly now sleeps till five and it's much better. Mm. He's just demanding more bottles. But not only that, if he's having two to three of those overnight, he's having yes. half a litre of milk. Right. And the average 15 month old if they're having bottles, is probably only having 300 milks, meals in the whole, you know, one bottle in the morning and a bottle at night. Right. So he's having an enormous amount of milk and it must be in some way affecting his meals to have that much milk overnight. So it is really hard because he hasn't slept well in, in longevity 
and you're both working and that is difficult. But I think you have to take a little breath. It is very difficult to have this age group in your room. It is incredibly difficult because by the nature of him moving between now and say two and a half, um, he will be very aware you're in the room. They wake up multiple times. They often talk. They roll around in their bed. And if every time he does that, the response is that somebody will get up and give me something or do something, then it will create a problem within itself. So I suppose, you know, if you've only got one room, so it must only be a two-bedroom you know, your mum and dad have got one room and you've got one room, then I think, in all honesty, you're probably going to take up bed sharing because that's the only way to get through this. But the essence of this answer and the way to get on top of it, the first thing you've got to do is got to wean him off those bottles. So you need to start putting 100 mils in the bottles for about three days, then putting 50 mils in the bottles for three days. Then we've got the milk part under control. Um, And then you said he responds well to patting. So each time he gets up, you're going to need to pat him to just get him off the volume of milk. He can still maintain a bottle in the morning and a bottle at night um, with about 150 in both of those bottles. So the first thing I do is take a little breath and plan out the steps that you're going to do. You need everybody to be tolerant because by moving in with your parents and fixing it so he doesn't wake both yourselves in the room plus your parents, it's almost like you make it a whole big problem because of that. So it's a really difficult position to be in. So once you've got your milk under control and you want to do now a little bit of, okay, you need to sleep and we'll come in, like let him cry for five minutes and then pat him. And I'm sure you've tried this, but what you have to remember is the milk hasn't fixed it. So the problem's going to be the same whether you pat him or you give him a bottle of milk, except that if you don't give him the milk, you won't be getting him up to change him. You won't be changing his clothes so he's wide awake. And so your ability to get him back to sleep, I think, would be greater. And then for three or four nights, you and your husband are going to sleep in the lounge room and give him the bedroom for a couple of nights Mm. to try and get the sleep more under control before you come back in. Because we know that when you go to bed, that that disturbs their sleep cycle and they start waking more frequently from that point. From about 20 minutes after you go to bed, they'll start waking more frequently. So this is a really tough one because there's so many parts to it that I think you need to sit down and write down what step you're going to do and the next one so that everybody knows you're on track. And I've known people to go away for a week so that they can fix the baby's problem. But you need to consider what's going to happen when you come back because the cot will still be there and he will still know you're in the room. So I think this is a really tricky one, really difficult one. Be kind to yourself, Teagues. It yeah. must be hard for you. And well, you got to. I think the giving the bottle is the be kind, but now mm. it's creating a much bigger problem. Mm. So I think you just have to take a little breath and write down the steps. Get rid, you know, decrease the milk. Get rid of the bottles. Go back to patting. Few nights out in the lounge room to try and see if we can get him to self settle. Good luck. And come back to us if you need some more um, tweaks. That's all we have time for Helpline. And this episode of Feed, Play, Love, if you are watching along live on the Babyology Facebook page, thank you so much for your questions. Um, Chris, thank you for your time. And if you are interested, of course, in the Babyology Baby Shower in Brisbane, make sure you head to the Babyology website and check it out.
This has been Helpline on Feed, Play, Love, hosted by me, Siobhan Hunt. If you want to ask Chris your questions for the next episode, you can email them to us directly. The email is helpline at theparentbrand.com.au. The next episode of Feed, Play, Love is essential for any parent or carer who has an inner critic that just won't shut up. I have a voice that is so incredibly critical of me that I've never actually heard anybody else in my life speak to me the way that voice does. And I'm a psychologist. I've trained (laughs) for eight years at university in this stuff. On the next episode of Feed, Play, Love, Rebecca talks about the art of self-kindness and how all of us are better off when we go gently on ourselves. Our producer for this podcast is Debbie Ning, and I'm Siobhan Hunt. Hunt.